Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my co-host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. Well, I'm excited about the show today because I love to have a couple of siblings on, you and our friend Jordan, and here I am as a parent who's lost a child. And what we're going to hear today is sibling loss, what parents need to know. So you guys are going to let me know what I need to know. Absolutely. And Jordan Ferber, who is one of my very favorite guests, is here today in our studio. Hooray! Jordan is a native (laughs) New Yorker. He is the real deal. He is also a comedian. He is the face of sibling loss in so many ways, Mom, because he helps so many siblings and has connected for years and years with the the brief siblings and given us a voice. Uh-huh. So, like you said, we're going to talk today about what parents need to know about sibling loss. And I'm going to inter- And you know, let me say one thing about yeah. Jordan, too, because he's got great parents. He does. Uh, his dad is an attorney. I've met him. His mom is uh, fantastic. She's run the chapter at Compassionate Friends at one time. And uh, so I'm going to be really interested to see what he has to say because he is also, uh, his, when his brother Russell died, it left him as the only surviving child. So I'm really going to be interested in hearing because I know you guys have got a lot to tell me. Yep, we absolutely do. So on that note, let me introduce Jordan here. Comedian Jordan Ferber is a bereaved sibling and an only surviving child. Jordan's brother Russell died in an automobile accident. As the sibling leader of the Manhattan chapter of the Compassionate Friends, Jordan has helped thousands of siblings on their journey of loss and recovery. He is also the producer of the podcast, Where's the Grief? Welcome to our show, Jordan. I'm excited to be here. Pretty fancy digs you got here. (laughs) Absolutely. This is a great radio studio. We're right here on 89th and Central Park West, right around the corner from Jordan's old high school. Yeah, I went down. I went to high school right around the corner. Yeah, very cool. Pretty crazy. I know the neighborhood. You do. You know it well. In fact, when you were a few minutes late, I said, Mom, this is his hood. He's fine. He'll get here. (laughs) Right? So, So, Jordan, tell us about how you started on this journey. Oh, well, I mean, I didn't really have much of a choice, did I? You know, as as we all know, you know, when you go through a loss like this, we're, we're now part of a club that we never wanted to be a part of, but it is uh, kind of surreal to embrace the notion of, of being a part of it and giving back and making sure that there are always people out there that can guide newer people along the, the first few steps of that journey. So, so your journey started when Russell died, obviously, and he died in a car accident here in New York? Yep, it was... Uh, July 6, 2002, okay. so uh, just coming up on the 14-year anniversary this summer. And how old were you? I was 24, and uh, Russell was 21. Wow. And was he here in New York City when he died? He was, uh, he was in the Hamptons. Okay. He, was, he was just about uh, uh, half a semester away from graduating from the Culinary Institute of America with a degree in the Pastry Baking Arts program. So our, our city, I mean, you grew up in New York. Yes. You are a native New Yorker. You native. grew up in the village. Totally. And the thing about it is our city was reeling from 9-11 still, and then your brother dies. Yeah. That's a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. That's huge because you grew up downtown, so, I mean, that's big. And then all of a sudden Russell suddenly dies. Um, so I'm sure that totally shook your world and turned everything upside down, I imagine. I feel like I've been living in one of those snow globes that continually gets shook up a little bit every, every now and again. Still, mm-hmm. still gets shaken up here and there. But I get a little bit. I'm gotten. I've gotten better at uh, readjusting. So, what do you think that parents need to know about sibling loss? Well, there's a few things. First of all, I'm very lucky that I 
my parents, as you said, are uh, amazing people. I had a, a very good relationship with them uh, prior to Russell's death. My mother was a family travel writer, so we got to go on a lot of great family vacations. We spent a lot of time together as a family uh, while I was growing up. So we had a very strong uh, bond with each other. And when Russell died, my parents started going to TCF, to, to Compassionate Friends, almost immediately. I think the first meeting they went to was three weeks after Russell died. Wow. And um, I didn't start going for quite a while. I probably didn't go to my first meeting until six months later, and I didn't really start coming on a consistent basis for at least a year, year and a half maybe. And um, so my parents were already a little bit sensitive to what I was going through just based on what they had experienced and heard in their meetings. So they were already had it, kind of gave me my space. I think... One of the things that I pick up a lot, you know, every year at the national conference, we do uh, a sibling panel for parents where they ask questions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the thing that comes up the most is that um, kids don't really share with their parents across the board. You know, you don't have to have gone through a loss to be less than uh, um, what, what a parent might want in terms of how much you express to them about what's going on in your life and what you're thinking about. And I think that parents get so concerned about what we're going through after a loss like this, that they're kind of on top of us. It's, it's almost smothering in a sense because, A, there's no one else left mm -hmm. to, to put that pressure on, but you also want to make sure that you don't have another loss. Um, I think there's there's a delicate balance there, and and so people, so, so people if, if, if you're not expressing stuff to your parents, your parents can get nervous. Oh, he's well, not, they're not, he's not dealing with it, he's not yes. doing with it, but just because um, your child is not talking to you d directly about what it is that they're dealing with does not mean that they aren't talking to somebody about it or that they aren't finding other outlets I, I to talk about so it. I think that is so key, Jordan, because the number one thing that I hear as a, as a therapist in my practice with bereaved families is my child isn't talking about it, and so I don't even think that they're grieving. Yeah. And I don't know what's wrong. I don't know how they're doing either. I'm, I'm worried because they don't ever talk about it. But like you said, just because you're not talking about it with your parents doesn't mean you're not talking about it. Right. Now, the other, let me the say other, the other, something. Uh, as a parent, one of the big things that we worry about is all this craziness of teenagers, and we don't know how to separate what you're dealing with as far as your sibling dying and what's normal, crazy teenage behavior. Right. Well, I think I, I wasn't a teenager when it happened, but I'm pretty confident in saying that it is difficult for us to figure that out as well. I mm -hmm. think... That period of life is a uh, you're really kind of figuring out who you are, what your identity is, and to lose a whole part of your identity in a sense with with the loss of a sibling really complicates that. And it's a, I mean I, I know for myself that I uh, uh, struggled to figure out what my identity was when after Russell died, and it took me a long time to figure out that my new identity. You know, I had to kind of let go of of who I was and embrace who I was becoming in a sense. Do so, you guys? Heidi, how old were you, just for our audience, so I that was, they know when Scott was killed? I was 20 when Scott died, and he was 17. And, and Jordan, you were? I, I, was, I was 24. That's okay. It's a really weird age to be in your early 20s because you don't identify with adult with your whole adult life. It's kind of like you're just out of your teens. I identified more with 18, 19-year-olds than I did with, like, 30-year-olds. Mm -hmm. what, what I want to ask, did you guys regress? 
I don't know if I regressed. I mean, I'm a comedian, so I don't know if I ever... <laughs> I, I think I've kind of stayed uh, in that adolescent... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I've 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 managed to make fart jokes my living, so it's not. I don't know how you can actually gauge whether or not I've regressed or not. I still do duty material. <laughs> but what about not being able to concentrate and all that stuff? What What, what do you mean, not being able to concentrate? You didn't have any pro. Heidi, didn't you have trouble concentrating? I did. In well, school? I was in college when Scott died, and I couldn't. I couldn't focus on school. I dropped out of college. Because it just, it was like, you know what, I can't, I'm not going to read a book, a science book after my brother died. I mean, it's, I don't even want to do that. And so I moved to Southern California for two and a half years and tried to figure out, like Jordan said, who am I now? Yeah. Who, who am I now? Who am I without Scott? I don't know who I am anymore because he was such a big part of my life. And I know Russell was a huge part of Jordan's life as well. Yeah. Well, you know, I had just, I had been doing comedy for about a year and a half, almost two years when, when Russell died. And so... I and I had a day job. I quit my day job. I couldn't. I uh, I didn't have the, the 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 focus to do somebody else's job. Essentially, I felt like there was a pointlessness to everything yep. uh, at that point. So it wasn't even that I lost focus. It's that I my my focus was kind of like a laser, and you know, uh, there was a pointlessness to a lot of things. And so if it wasn't really something that I was interested in uh, on a core level. I, it had it, it had no bearing on my life, and uh, so all I really had in my life at that time was was comedy. That was my drive, and I was doing the best that I could to continue doing it to keep my my myself busy, keep myself involved in some part of life. And I remember early on, you said, "Okay, I have to fake it till I make it." You you went and had to do your first comedy what several weeks after he died. Yeah. So I was working with a group at the, t- at the time uh, called Comedy Gone Wild, mm-hmm. and uh, the guy that ran it booked uh, a couple of shows two months apart at uh, the Comedy Garden inside Madison Square Garden. First one was in June, and Russell came to that show, and uh, I remember specifically that after the show, he came back and told me that the entire room hadn't laughed as one until I got on stage. And the people that went on before me, he said, this guy got parts of the room and this guy got other parts of the room, but you were the only guy that unified everybody. Wow. And I was pretty, you know, he was proud of me. And that was a nice, that's a good memory for me. And then he died uh. Uh, in July. And then the next one was in August. And I uh, it was about a month or, or so after Russell died. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it. But People were coming to the house during, you know, while we were sitting Shiva and, you know, is there anything I can do? I said, well, I got a big show coming up at the garden. <laughs> Buy a ticket. <laughs> and so I sold 125 tickets to the to that show. Wow. The room sat about 600. And so I got to, I, you know, I felt like I just needed to do that for myself mm-hmm. to keep myself involved. You know, it was really important that I... I, I don't think I was particularly good on that show. Uh, certainly not as good as I was in in June. But it was, it just it was just important to go through the motions of it. So so Jordan, what do you think siblings need? Bereaved siblings need that have had a brother or sister die. And, and let's talk about bereaved siblings that are not teenagers. They're just out of the teen years. Right. Because well, I think this is important. What we're hearing. I mean, I think that some of the stuff that we need is is the same stuff that uh, that parents need. You know, what anybody needs when they go through a loss. You know, is it, you, you need people who are uh, just going to be able to let you vent about it. You know, mm-hmm. There, there, there are no real answers. There isn't advice that works across the board for everybody. Um, everybody has their own process and their own 
way of doing it. And I think that people get very concerned that you're not doing it their way or the way that they think you should be doing it. And I think just accepting that people do it their own way and acknowledging that what they're doing, uh, if it's if it's something that they uh, uh, find helpful, that just the acknowledgement and the validation uh, uh, that they can do it. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's really, really key is just acknowledging how, how horrible it is. And I remember the best thing that anyone ever said to me was someone came up to me and said, wow, that really sucks. And I'm yeah. like, thank you. That's all I needed to hear. I mean, yes, it does. You get it. I mean, it's 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 yeah. awful. I mean, I, I I was talking to my friend the other day, and I came up with this thing, and I actually posted it on my. I I actually tweeted it. I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm continually looking forward to tomorrow, even if it might not be as good as yesterday was. It can't be as crappy as today. <laughs> I like that. That's good. So that's sort of how I look at it. But I think, you know, the sibling thing, we do get overlooked in some cases. I think that there are places and people who, who uh, uh, want to make their grief to be worse or, or harder or whatever. Uh, uh, and it's not intentionally done so, but it does feel like you're diminishing what we go through when people when people say that. I think it's just and, important. And what is it that they say? I know you have a saying, where's my mother or something. Right. I, well, I have... I run a, uh, a workshop at the National Conference called How's Your Mother, which is the number one question that we get as bereaved siblings. Mm-hmm. And I always say that the problem is not that people ask about my mother. It's that they often ask about my mother without ever asking, how are you doing? Right. And when when you were – when your brother – when Russell died, were you living at home? I was living there as well, yeah. And where was Russell living? He was living up in uh, Poughkeepsie. By the uh, Culinary Institute okay, so, and coming back to the city on weekends. Okay, so you weren't living together. And the reason I'm asking this is because I it's been my own personal experience that for some reason, because my brother and I weren't living together at the time of his death, that people assume that the death is easier for me. Mm-hmm. And that is not my experience. Just because he didn't live with me doesn't mean that it wasn't really hard on me. Yeah. Because I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with him. You know, and it's like I lost not only Scott, but I lost the entire future that I imagined we were going to have together. Yeah. I think, you know, I've heard that from a number of people who have had siblings who, who when they died, were away at college or uh, uh, just they weren't living in the same space with each other. And it's almost like a defense mechanism to imagine instead of the fact that they're dead to think, OK, well, they're just away at college. Right. This is just a period. But that's just the you're just tricking yourself to not deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think. You know, in 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 some cases that might even be more difficult, you know, because you're putting roadblocks up in front of what the actual facts are versus actually just dealing with what is. Um, okay, but, now I'm listening to this show and I'm worried about I have kids around your age. They're not they're in college or beyond. And now I'm hearing you say this and uh, I'm thinking I wish they had some support. Um, is there any place I can encourage them to go and, and get some help? I mean, how can they yeah. be around you guys? You can encourage them to go to Jordan's uh, chapter mm-hmm. and yeah. his yeah, group if you're in Manhattan. If, if you are, no matter where you are, if you are, uh, uh, if there is a compassionate friends um, group near you that has a sibling group, there, it's actually mind-boggling to me that there aren't more sibling groups around the country. Mm-hmm. I, um, but. They're, the tide is turning. They're trying to get more more sibling groups uh, that meet in person around the country. There are definitely a handful of really uh, good ones. I know. I know that, uh, that my my group in New York City meets twice a month, and and our our, our group is pretty solid. I know there's a a handful of other bigger ones scattered around the country. If you can't find a, a local group that you can meet, there is a Facebook group 
that is just bereaved siblings. It's the Compassionate Friends Sounds of the Siblings. Um, it's a closed group. There's a handful of uh, administrators, and as soon as you request uh, permission to be part of that group, you'll you'll get get uh, approved pretty easily. And uh, that's a great space to just be able to vent. None of the stuff that I post in there shows up on my wall or gets seen by anybody that's not in that group. So I, it's a place where I can really just ask questions or just express stuff into a into a place where I know uh, I'm going to be supported. Um, yeah, I I love the Facebook page and it's it's such an incredible place. Even if you don't want to post, I often just go on and look at stuff mm-hmm. and read things. And you know, the other thing is to go to Open to Hope because we've done on our site, we've we've interviewed Jordan, we've interviewed Keith Singer, we've interviewed a lot of siblings and we you can watch our show with Jordan and his parents also. Yeah. So we've done a lot of stuff and we need to even do more. And I would also mention, you know, you did mention my podcast up front. You could also yes. listen to my podcast. It's uh, I I interview other comedians who have experienced tragic loss. Absolutely. And, and Jordan is about to interview Elizabeth DeVita Rayburn, who wrote the book, The Empty Room, Losing a Brother or Sister at Any Age. She's a great advocate for sibling loss as well. So, yeah, yeah. these are How some of the How do we find places. your podcast, Jordan? Well, I'm on iTunes. You can search on iTunes just for Where's the Grief? Um, and if you're not a computer-savvy person, you can actually just go to wheresthegrief.com and listen directly through the website. And also, there's going to be a national conference. Why don't you guys talk about that and yep. what people can expect? Conference is coming up uh, in July, July 7th to the, to, uh, to the 10th yeah. in Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, I'm excited. Yeah, it's a gorgeous venue. It's an amazing hotel. Remember, people, it's a dry heat. Yeah. <laughs> Arizona in July. Who's excited, huh? But the sibling the presence. Right. It's at a fabulous resort. Uh, it is. And, and it's got, you know, all the bells and whistles of a beautiful resort. It's $129 a night for a room. That is such an amazing deal. Yeah. And it's probably 800 in season. It's... And you can track down Jordan. And track down me, and I'll track down Jordan. He will introduce you to all the siblings because wherever Jordan is, the party is, and the siblings are, and <laughs> you just, you know, you will find support. You will hear me before you see me. I was probably. <laughs> you will. And uh, you know, I want to say that parents that are listening to this show and are worried about their older, you know, the siblings who are, as I say, are college age or beyond, come. Um, come yourself so they'll come. You know, it, it's a, a wonderful experience. It's very healing. It's amazing to be around. There'll be fifteen hundred people there, and we're maybe have more. Some maybe room. more this year. I think there might be a bigger uh, turnout this year. Yeah, because Olivia Newton-John is going to sing. Right, Olivia Newton-John's going to be there, and uh, from what I understand, there is not going to be any other group at our hotel. I think it's just the Compassionate Friends there this year, so they're going to be at capacity with just us. And I've got to say to all the siblings out there. You know, you don't have to go to a workshop. If you've never been and you just want to show up and meet other siblings, there's no pressure. Just go and hang out at the pool and meet other siblings, and that might be the first your first experience with the conference. Well, you know, that's why I really do recommend that people try to find a local group or something, because just having the experience of talking with people that are going through the same thing or that have been through this, a similar uh, experience, that's the only place that I've really found the validation and the and the acceptance of, of how I have dealt with things because there's no judgment. There's no, nobody is trying to get out of that conversation. Um, and that is, those are the moments that I really did find myself again was being able to just be social in a, in a group setting. 
in a space where I wasn't worried about what version of myself I was presenting. I agree with Jordan because most people in their 20s have never, ever lost a brother or sister, and they really don't completely understand what we're going through. And when you're with other people that are brief siblings, you realize that most of what you're going through, even if it feels, even if it feels really crazy, is normal, and it's really validating. And you're like, okay, I'm not alone here. Others have been there and made it too. And that is what our message is. And I just want to thank Jordan today for everything he does. Yeah, and I want to just say also, you know, I think uh, I, I say this a lot in my group uh, about how, you know, people deal with their parents and how difficult it can be to deal with their parents. I say, you know, everybody knows that their own parents are crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, funny. Jordan. And my, my, parents, <laughs> my, my parents were crazy before Russell died. And guess what? <laughs> guess what? That experience did not fix them. <laughs> I love it. Or me. So, you know, they're, they're, they're just the natural quirks and, 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 and relationships that you have with your parents that are uh, uh, the dynamic is, is what it is. And so you, they are not you, when you lose your sibling, you're not all of a sudden going to turn to your. Well, now I, now I can confide in my mother about uh, all this stuff that that is not how that relationship worked before. And that is not how this relationship is going to work after. It's you still have to find a way to let go of what it is that you want out of that, you know, that, that dynamic. Absolutely. So, Jordan, we're going to end our show today. Thank you so much for being on. It's always a pleasure to have you here. I love who you are, and I love what you do, and I love how you bring humor into the healing process because I think it is really, really key. It's the key to life, really. It is, right? Mm-hmm. And I just am so excited that you're out there talking and building awareness with everybody in the country and the world about sibling loss. So thank you so much. Absolutely, Jordan. Thank you for being on the show today. And for those listening, make sure that you go to uh, thecompassionatefriends.org and get yourself signed up for the conference, get yourself a room in the conference center. And if it's beyond that date now uh, for this year, it's every year that Compassionate Friends has a national conference. So I right, would next year is going to be in Orlando. Absolutely. In Orla- oh, that's great. Disney. You can uh, get everybody to go and do a little Disneyland while you're there. And so uh, thank you so much for listening today, everybody. And thank you, Heidi and Jordan, for getting me straight on all this. And <laughs> we want to say, as always, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.